Unity of Farmington Hills, a positive path for spiritual living. They say, you're the king of everything, the one who taught the wind to sing, the voice of the rhythm my heart keeps beating. You can bring the dead to life, and you can make the fear to life, and you can be the hope my soul's been seeking. I want to tell you now that I believe it, I want to tell you now that I believe it, I do, that you can make me new. I love it. I love it. Righteous story. Oh, man. So like uh, Lauren said, we are um, finishing up the month of October, which is the, the Faculty of Zeal. 
And I have a little joke that's dealing with zeal. And, you know, zeal is the, the ability to be enthusiastic, right? The ability to be passionate, the ability to, uh, um, to motivate and initiate, right? So this lady goes into, um, into a, a theater. They're going to, she and her dog are going, remind, when I heard the joke, it reminded me of Ian and uh, Duncan. I was like, aw. But anyway, she came in to uh, go, to a, go to the show, and she came in, and her little dog sat next to her, and it was a guy behind them. And he was like, wow, okay, that's interesting, a dog coming into the show. And then the movie started, and the dog perked up, and his ears perked up, and he was right in his seat, and he's so enthusiastic. He's sitting there, and when it was funny um, types, I mean, funny parts of the movie, and everybody's laughing, he's like kind of, you know, moving like he's laughing with them. And then there were a couple sad moments and he's whimpering with everybody else when people were sniffling and he's like whimpering too. So the guy is like really amazed by this and how enthusiastic this dog is. So after the movie, the lady's going out with her dog and he catches up with him. He goes, wait a minute, miss. She, he goes, I thought that was so amazing that your dog was so enthusiastic during the movie and everything. And she said, yeah, I was kind of surprised at his, his enthusiasm as well. He didn't like the book. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. And, I, and my, um, my uh, girlfriend uh, and colleague, Reverend Bonnie Gardner, who's spoken here before, and she comes to the meditations and stuff too. She has two little dogs. They're the tiny little, you know, lap dogs, I guess. And they're so funny because they get excited when you're about to leave. They're like barking at you. You think they're about to attack, but they're excited and telling you where the door is. Come on, let's go, you know. And, and if they could get your coat, they'd probably drag your coat to them. And then one time, Bonnie was like, well, they can, um, uh, I think it's pork chop. I forgot the other one. It would have been, I would have named it Chipmunk, but it's Pork Chop is one of the names of the dogs, right? So she's singing, I mean, she's saying, the light of God surrounds me. He's, he's barking along with her. And then she stopped and he looked at her like, kept on going, you know? That was so cute. How, whoever, how many other people have dogs that have this enthusiasm? Yeah, I know, you got. Right. She is a, uh, What's her name again? Macy. Macy. When we had our um, adopted dog, you know, adopt a pet day, Macy, this little, ooh, she has a, and she's perfect for Faith because Faith has this spunky, and Macy's spunky too. And she would, she would, she loved Faith, and Faith ended up adopting her. So yeah, you do. You have an enthusiastic dog. So, but that it's exciting to have, and they become a part of our family, don't they? Yeah, they become a part of our family. I grew up with them. So I had enough when I became an adult. I had enough of cleaning up after them. I had enough of walking them. I was tired. So when my kids said, can we have a dog? No, we can't have a dog. <laughs> you go visit Grammy and Grampy. You can see their dogs. But yeah, so anyway, that, that was so, I thought that was so cute because it is the truth that there are dogs that will get sparked up about a movie, you know, and get cut, and they get in, in, you know, into it. And they get into your, actually, Bonnie was talking to me about pork chop, and she had to talk in cold because he'll bark at her if she's talking about him. <laughs> like, who are you talking about, you know? So, I would, so that made me think about how we have this energy. Nature just has an energy in it that pushes it to move in different ways. Plants have their own expression. Grass has its own expression. Trees have their own expression. And even, it's interesting because trees are 
a bright color green in the summer, and then they turn these different color uh, red and green and orange, I mean, red and orange and yellows, you know, and they get darker. It's like their personality shifts. Zeal is always moving us. It's always moving us to the next stage. So it moves, and then in the wintertime, it's just bare, right? It's like it's gone inside. And the zeal is still there, but it's, 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 it's a different personality there in the trees. And when you look at the grass, when you look at the snow, when you look at nature, God is there. That zeal is always there, right? So, I was thinking, though, there are those moments when we get really energetic and we're always there for other people, right? And we get to the point where we're there for other people so much we burn ourselves out. Anybody had that experience before? So I'm thinking about this, and I often hear myself tell other people, it's time to put the oxygen mask on. You know, like when you're on an airplane, they tell you if something happens and the oxygen mask comes on, you take the oxygen mask first before you even give it to your child. So you'll have it in your, in, inside of you in order to help your children, your child or whoever around you, right? But do we do that in our life, honestly? Do we do that in our life? Or do we continue to keep going and keep going and keep going, even when we get the inclination to stop, like a tiredness on us, heaviness in your shoulders. Tension is resistance to stopping and being. It's resistance to stopping and being. It's resistance to going within. And this is the thing. When you keep pushing and you keep pushing and you tire yourself out, it's because you've gone out on, on you're moving in your human expression instead of your spiritual expression. There's always energy and spirit. There's always energy and spirit. And there's always strength and vitalization and spirit. But we spend a lot of our times doing, 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 doing in our life and not enough time being. The only time that you can recharge is to be. So in those moments where you feel that you need to take time for yourself, you're moving into self-preservation, there's actually more going on there. It's not just physical self-preservation. It's spiritual self-preservation as well. Your light has dimmed down so low that you can't even feel it. Whenever we have some form of healing opportunity in our body, you best believe your light has dimmed down so low that you can't feel it. Because when you're in a space of high vibration and your light is bright and you're connected to that light, and, you're in, and, and I'm, I'm going to stop saying connected to the light because we're always connected to the light because we're one. That first unity principle says that God is everywhere present. And in the outside, everywhere present, God is everything. That's the transcendence, the divine idea of transcendence with God. But that second unity principle that says that we are one with God, the divinity of God lies inside of us, that's the imminent personal experience of God. You haven't had, when we go a long time without having a personal experience with God, your light dims down. It never extinguishes. It never goes out, but it dims down. And that's when you start having all this disharmony and dissonance in your life. We all have our own vibrational harmony, all of us. And it's just as unique as your fingerprints. It's your spiritual harmony, your spiritual print. But you got to keep it charged up. Charles Fillmore says that zeal is that light within that urges us forward 
to go forward. It urges us to go forward. But he also says that zeal should be tempered with wisdom. He says, do not put all your enthusiasm into teaching, into preaching, into healing, into helping others and being there with others that you don't help your own soul. You don't help your own soul. He says, do not let your zeal run away with you without judgment. So in those moments where you know you should say no. How many of you say yes anyway sometimes? We say yes anyway. We know we should say no. How many of us go and visit folks we know are going to drain us and we go there anyway? I've done it before. And it's okay to do it if you're, as Abraham Hicks says, tapped in, tuned in, turned on. If you're tapped into your spiritual vibration and you've given yourself time to fill back up. Because if your spiritual bank is empty, you best believe your physical bank's going to be empty as well. You're not going to have the energy. You'll be drained. This is important for all of us because there are a lot of us experiencing healing opportunities in our bodies and mentally, emotionally, that we've chosen. We've co-created it. And well, how'd you, how did I choose it? I didn't choose that. You did if you didn't stop and reconnect. It tap in, tune in. The outlet is always there for us to plug into consciously. And when you don't, you're sacrificing yourself. You're sacrificing yourself. When the Jewish people used to do their sacrifices, they, they would burn them. They would burn their sacrifices, and the light would come up, and the fragrance was supposed to be pleasing to God. And what it represented was burning your connection, your attachment to the physical realm, and allowing the light of God to come forth. And the aroma is the, feel, the feeling of peace that overwhelms you and, and um, succumbs you in order for you to know how to move forward. Because there's more than just, you know, when you're smelling something burning, it's a certain smell. It depends on what you, what you burn. I mean, they were burning. I mean, for some people, it's like, ooh, this smells good because it's meat. But, you know, the, but, and, and I used to like the smell of it. I don't like the smell of meat anymore burning. But my point is, is that the smell of it, depending on the meat, had a different smell. When you're connected with God and you go within and you connect to that light and you go into self, spiritual self-preservation, whatever divine idea is coming up in the moment for you to move forward in, to move high, to a higher vibration is to get a deeper understanding of who you are in, it feels different. Love is a different vibration and a f different feeling than wisdom is. Zeal and energy is a different feeling and a different vibration than Renunciation and release. But you don't know where you are and what you're meant to release in order to move forward in God if you don't tap in. A lot of us are walking around spiritual zombies. And you can tell it looking at a person's face. You can tell when people are vibrant and full of life. Do you know anybody who is vibrant and full of life and always smiling and giggling and happy and laughing and loves to be silly? Maybe you might know somebody like that. Maybe? Faith. Lynn said faith. She is. She's always, but that's why Macy was perfect for her. 
Keep saying it to Faith. <laughs> Macy's perfect for her. And it's interesting because she was saying that she couldn't come Wednesday because she went to obedience school with Macy. But we all have to go to obedience school with our spirit. Literally, we do. You have to tap in and tune in and follow what spirit says to do. Sometimes things don't work out in our life because we were told not to do it. And we didn't hear it because we didn't ask first, what do I do? Situations come up in our life and we might try to take the bull by the horns and we can't catch the horn of the bulls and we get gouged by it, like trying to move. Like if you go in the middle, you just, you know, the horns will go this way, but then you get picked up with it. But my point is, until you tap in, you don't know truly what you're meant to do in life. Does anybody in this, in, this, in this room feel like they're ready to move forward? Like you're ready to go to a deeper, a next place? Do you feel like you're ready to even move this church forward? Like have this church go to a deeper place? I heard that this church was really, really vibrant back in its heyday. I wonder where that came from, the heyday. Was it back in the cowboys dancing in the hay? <laughs> I know, I'm so silly. <laughs> and Doug has on a hat. What'd you say, Faith? I know, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Somebody in here is dealing with some hay. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, my point is that when the church started to get smaller and it seemed like the light was fizzing out, were some people feeling a little discouraged and frustrated? Were you feeling like, I don't know if this is even meant to still be? How did you know it was that you were meant to keep going? Because it felt good to be here. Did you have a moment where you pulled your, your, your consciousness together and figured out what was going to be your focus? Did you have a moment where you figured out what was going to be your core values? Did you have a moment where you even figured out what was going to be your vision? Did you do it on your own? How did you do it? As a group. Was the leader tapping in to your spiritual? What felt full? See, there's a conglomerate of spiritual um, fingerprints in here, spiritual personalities in here, but everybody together makes the spiritual personality of the church. And when it's ready to change, you have to release some air, some energies. Some energy will go. And in its own time, it will be groomed and purified and spiritualized and, and, and risen up to an another vibration. And then it comes back and it connects. Even when the Israelites left Egypt, only three of the originals were allowed to go over into not even only two. Because Moses and his brother were dead too. They died too. Because Moses didn't hear, he was told... At this point, when the Israelites were yelling, you got us back out here, we're going to die. He had done, they had murmured over and over again for 40 years. What are we going to drink? What are we going to drink? And God says, go talk to this rock and tell the rock 
to bring forth water. We have our moments where the ego taps in. We hear what we're told to do, but that's too subtle for all these people to understand. I'm gonna hit the rock and do it violently. And then when I hit the rock, my physical expression will let them see that it's God working. But God didn't say to do that. You cannot do in a physical realm what the spirit is supposed to do. You can't. You can't bring down in a spiritual expression in your life what you, through a physical expression. You have to use the spiritual, let me hear it, God opportunities that are coming for you to use it. So if you're told to call somebody and you go do it on your own and it doesn't work, it's because you didn't follow where God has the opportunity for you to open up into a higher expression. Because when you're told to do something and follow somebody, you bless the other person and yourself at the same time. Does that connect? This is the other thing. As you bless and you share, the vibration comes through me into you, and it fills me up. As I'm going through it to give you my gift, I receive the gift as well. But I can't receive the gift for you if I'm trying to give it to somebody else. And then it becomes poison in me because it's not used for the purpose it was, told, it was supposed to be used. Does that make sense? How many of us are just acting instead of sitting still and being first? There's a scripture that I love. It's in Psalm 51 that I want to use today. And I want us to take this seriously. It's Psalm 51.10. And I'm sure you've heard it before. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a a loyal spirit within me. And I'm going to keep it there. I was going to give more, but God's stopping me right there. So we're going to stop right there because that's enough right there. Creating me a clean heart. You know, when you walk around in this world, there's physical debris of the... Let's just think about this for a minute. Let's just think about this for a minute. We are all working. We are all walking around in this realm where our words mean something. And as we think about things, all of our thoughts go up into a vibration. It's called race consciousness. And in race consciousness, illness is considered bad. In race consciousness. That's the human race. The collective consciousness of the human race thinks that illness is bad, thinks that rape is bad, thinks that all these things are terrible and all of this stuff, right? But that's the human mind thinking. The truth is just, it just is what it is. So as we walk around in this world, we get caught up in physical debris. We get caught up in the consciousness, the subconsciousness, always reliving these issues in our heart that need to be released. Every day, a new issue will come up. That is why it is important for us to tap into God first before we even open our eyes. And because you're still in a spiritual, you're still connected to a spiritual realm until you start thinking about your day. The moment you think about your day, you get decreased down into the third dimensional realm of limitation and separation. When we're dreaming and we're thinking, we're in the fourth and fifth generation, fourth and fifth generation, really, fourth and fifth um, dimension, spiritual dimension. We are spiritual beings. And the only way to create in a spiritual form is to tap into it. I was listening to this minister, and she was saying that she went into this um, store. It was a gardening store. She was going to get some gardening tools. And this older lady was in there. She was talking to the older lady. And um, the older lady asked her where she lived, and she told her. She said, I used to, the older lady said, I used to live there. And so she said, but I'm, we moved away, me and my husband. 
And she said, and, and we had a little farm and everything, and I loved our farm, and we were married for 60 years, but he just passed away a couple years ago. And, 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 the, and the lady who was a minister said, I'm, I am, I, I'm so sorry, but I'm sure it was awesome to have those 60 years of living with him. And she said, yeah, I was told that I had to get an outlet in order to be an inlet. She, so she said, and I love people and I love gardening, so I'm grateful that God opened up this job for me. So in, and she said that the more that I tap in and I connect and I do in this outlet, let God give me the inlet of the love of expressing to other people, it makes it easier to experience the, the, the loss of my husband. Anything that we go, in th- go through life, anything that go- we go through, you can do it only in the inlet of God and then being an outlet into this world. Does that make sense? There was another story I heard of these two farmers. And the two farmers, were, they, they lived on two, both sides of a, a lake, a big lake. And it was a time where there was a drought. The lake was going dry. They both prayed. Both of them prayed. And the one farmer prayed and started working and tilling his toil and all this stuff. The other farmer on the other side prayed and sat in the silence and heard dig a ditch. So he dug a ditch from the lake into, and, it, and, it, and it went into his, into his garden, his, his uh, uh, whatever, whatever you call it, fields. He started, his crops started to grow. The other one, the other farmers didn't. He, then the other farmer's like, why isn't my crop going? I did all this work. The other, crop, the other farmer said, because I sat and let God show me the work that I was meant to do, the work that was mine to do. It wasn't his to till the soil. It was his to get the soil wet. How many times do we do the opposite of what it is that we're here to do because we haven't tapped in to hear what it is that's ours to do? This is serious. That's why the fourth unity principle is so important. Does anybody remember the fourth unity principle? Nope. Prayer meditation, right? It's like, oh, (laughs) we realign our mind through prayer and meditation. When you're praying and talking to God, you're opening up the receptor, the communication. When you sit and hear God, you're filling yourself up with God's answer. This is the kicker. God's answer is always yes. It's always God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of heaven. And this is the kicker. You are the kingdom of heaven. That's the kicker. We are here to manifest heaven on earth. The heaven is the spiritual Christ self, Christ self within you that's always talking to you. We talked about the whisper being as loud as a roar, but you can't hear it until you tap in. And when you tap in, that's when you feel the zeal of God moving you forward. And when you tap in enthusiastically through the spirit and you worship through in spirit and in truth, worshiping means become, becoming passionate about God. And not just about the, about the things you're supposed to do, but about the divine ideas of God. And the moment you get passionate about the divine ideas of God and you tap into that and start to get to know God, what happens is you start to get to know who you are on a higher level. And when you get to know who you are on a higher level, you get to hear what God's telling you to do on a higher level. And when you hear what God's telling you to do on a higher level, you move into a higher expression of peace. 
A heaven on earth is an expression of peace. And then no matter what goes on in this world, Dorian or Hurricane Katrina or whatever goes on, 9-11, whatever goes on in this world, you are rooted in God and you are the presence of God in the presence of the situation. Does that make sense? My daughter found out, which I told you guys, she found out her boyfriend has leukemia, which is blood cancer. Well, last week she found out that it went into stage two. She's all over the place and upset. But I still see God's presence in that situation. And the first response is all that is. But that wasn't it for me. Because God is still in his blood. And all he has to do is tap into the consciousness of Christ And he can co-create a healing in his own life. I can't force it on him. I can't force it on my daughter to talk to him and be in a space of peace for herself. I can't force it on any of you guys to hear and be what it is that I speak to you about. You have to do it on your own. You have to study this yourself. I was asked once if the word of God was just, if the Bible was the word of God or just the guidance of God. And I heard that it's both. It is both. But until we tap into it and then meditate on what it means, it won't be, mean anything. Can you pull the growth affirmation up again for me, Dwayne? We're going to work this thing, people. We're going to work this thing. Thank you. Let's say this growth affirmation together. And before you do, Move out any doubt in your mind that it is not true. Let go of what was experienced in this church family years ago and let's step into a consciousness of newness right now because that was then. This is the now moment. And the moment we keep reliving, we block ourselves from going forward. It's time traveling. And then when you worry about what, if this is really going to happen, you block that. We are co-creating with God. And whatever is your dominant thought, that's what you co-create. Let's make our dominant thought be that what we speak is so, right? right? Okay, let's say this together. We give thanks for our expansive congregation that fills our halls and sanctuaries with seekers of unity truth. Fills our hearts with love and joy. Stop for a second. Let's say that again. Fills our hearts with love and joy. Keep going. And provides us with all the necessary resources to co-create. Say that word again. Co-create. One more time. To co-create. Keep going. A loving and compassionate spirit-filled world. Everybody stand up for me, please. Those who can't stand up and look around and see that your affirmation is already manifested and you've already co-created it. Look at how many people are in here now and see. Now, there's more than this. I want you to see that that youth program is vibrant. And I want you to see that we are moving and being a 
a huge vibration of light in this community. There are divine ideas coming up to make this a community where people can get resources that they need, not just in the congregation, but somebody can call in and get resources, and we're going to put that in place. I want this to be that we are servants of God. I want these out, these uh, core values. I love them. They are my core values, too. So for me to come in here and see that what you guys are living is already in line with me, I feel at home. Let's say these core values starting with this side together. Diverse, welcoming, loving, spirit-filled. Say that one again. Spirit-filled. Say it one more time. Spirit-filled. And the spirit-filled will do what? Make you empowering. Are we ready to do this, people? Yes. For real? Yes. For real, for real? Yes. All righty. We're going to do it together. Amen. We're done. Before it 
What then?